live from New York, it's Assis Engineer. Hey everybody, January is over and it's now time for March 487th and uh, it's that. time for Ask an Engineer. Uh, it's me, Lady Ada the Engineer, with me is Mr. Lady Ada. Uh, as always, your friendly and somewhat goth and morose hosts who will take you on a tour of what's going on in the maker and hacking and electronics community for the next hour or so. We just wrapped up show and tell. Thanks to Don Pedro for covering for us. We just needed a little break, uh, but they did a great job. And uh, now we're going to kick this off. We're going to do Ask Engineer. So why don't you tell them what's on tonight's show so you can get all settled in. All right. On tonight's show, we'll be talking about shipping stuff. We're shipping smart and safe. Shipping, and shipping. of course, this week there was a little bit of a snowstorm. So, orders are making their way to you. If you place an order, thanks for being patient because there was um, almost a top 10 snowstorm. I don't know if you know, but there was a blizzard. Here in New York. Show and tell people around the world showing and sharing their project. Noah and Pedro did the show and tell this week. Lady A will talk about who's on the show and tell and what they shared and more. Time travel, look around, makers, hackers, artists, engineers, and more. Some news updates. Help Wanted, we have jobs board, jobs.adafruit.com. You can post your skills, or if you're a company and want to find someone amazing to work with you, post the job at jobs.adafruit.com. We've got Python hardware news. We'll talk about what's in the newsletter this week. Thank you so much. We've got some made in New York City factory footage, including some footage of the snow, because why not? 3D printing, a couple videos from Noah and Pedro. We've got everyone's favorite segment, DigiKey and Adafruit present. Ion MPI, we'll have an Ion MPI this week. Lady will talk about that. Got some new products, we'll answer your questions. We do that on Discord now with 27,000 makers all together. We just hit a new milestone, 27,000 people. Join us over there, adafruit.com, uh, sorry, adafruit.it slash discord or discord.gg slash adafruit. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Yeah, okay. We're here, okay. we're doing so it. So first up, um, just uh, some housekeeping stuff. Uh, we're shipping smart and safe. We're one year into this. Uh, when I look at my calendar, around this time last year, we were already doing proactive measures because we heard from our factory partners in China that there was this weird thing going on. So we had already made all the plans, um, or some of the plans, when there wasn't an, any information. We had um, staggered shifts. Um, we were already in the process of making sure everyone had PPE. This was before um, there was even recommendations. It was really hard to get information, but we had started the process in this and wanted to make sure our team was safe as possible. Here are a year in later and we are still COVID free as an organization. Yay, going, doing the best we can every single week. And uh, so far so good, haven't had any outbreaks or anything like that. Um, we did have a snowstorm on Monday. So any orders that were placed um, right around Monday, we're still catching up and we also have the Raspberry Pi Pico orders that we're catching up on. So uh, thanks, our team thanks you. Uh, Pre-COVID photo of our teams. Thank you very much for supporting us all this time for the last year and more. Uh, also, when you place an order, we are doing 100 days of masking. So there's probably about 90 days-ish, maybe a little bit less than that. Every single order in the US that's basically over like a dollar. Yeah, so we have to put a number a mask. in. Yeah, so and so basically it's a free mask because there's really nothing that we're shipping out for. Dollar. And they're goth, and they're they're tri-layer, yeah. and they're good. And if you're going to double mask, put it over your mask. Yeah. Um, we all know what's next. Three masks. So get on the two mask tip now before we go to three masks. Four masks ahead, then five. Then we're going to go to seven. Then, then the pretty soon, <laughs> Pretty soon, most of us will be made out of masks. Um, but we do have other freebies and more that we give away when you place your orders. Lady right. Ada, what are they? 
I'm glad you asked. When you order on Adafruit.com, we give you freebies. I love it because uh, it's always great to get inspirational stuff, and you can always give it to people if you don't want it. I'm sure there's some makerspace or someone you're mentoring that is a beginning electronics who would love some of these parts. So um, uh, starting from the very left over there, we've got uh, $99 or more per proto half size breadboard. Perfect for soldering your projects onto after you're done with your solderless breadboard. And um, best of all, it will work great with a Pico if you got one, so you can make your Pico project come to life. Uh, 149 or more, you get a free STEM IQT board. Uh, we have a collection of about 25 different boards. We'll give you a free one from that batch. If you make a count, you'll get a different one each time. Otherwise, it's just going to be random. 199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the content of the United States. It's insured and trackable, and it's good. Uh, postal service, you know, you can use it, but we don't really recommend it. We recommend UPS. It takes a little longer, but you're going to get it. And uh, $2.99 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Express, a great way to get started with electronics and programming. You can code it up in Arduino or MakeCode or Code.org CS Discoveries if you're doing that, or CircuitPython, or I think even like MicroPython supporting it soon. So all good stuff free when you order from aidfruit.com. And at every level, you get the previous ones too. So like load up. Okay. Um, next up. We have show and tell. We do that every single week. We've been doing that for a decade. We're going to try to rotate our team out even more because some weeks um, running an Adafruit and trying to do all this stuff at the same time. Um, we have an entire team, so we should figure out ways to, to have our team um, run the show and tells with us. So thanks, Noah and Pedro. They hosted it this week, Lady Ada. Who's on the show and tell with the yeah. show this week? Yeah, well, Noah and Pedro didn't show anything because they were hosting. Uh, maybe in a week or two they will catch up and we'll also show off the projects they've been working on. We had Kevin from DK uh, come by and show off the Circuit Sculpture Calendar. Um, that's, uh, I think they're giving away some on social media, so check out DigiKey on social media. Uh, Melissa wrote a guide on using Home Assistant with ESP32-S2 uh, and how to do that by uh, installing CircuitPython and MiniMQTT, so you basically make it a MiniMQTT client for Home Assistant with ESP32-S2. Uh, and have it work with Home Assistant uh, flawlessly. So she already had an install. Um, so she got a temperature and humidity sensor going, and it's totally solderless. You, there's a stomach QT connector on the um, Metro ESP32-S2, so she just plugged in a sensor, and it got it uploading perfectly. We'll, we'll show off the uh, that guide shortly. But uh, great if you want to combine CircuitPython and Home Assistant. Erin uh, um, showed off her Princess with Power Tools calendar. It came out. Uh, she's in it. A lot of awesome scientists and technologists are in it, dressed up like princesses. And how could you not love that? Um, she also did a guide this week on a cosplay floating LED fireball. So, like, it kind of looks like it's levitating in your hand. Um, and it can react to motion or sound, uh, all in make code. It's a great uh, cosplay prop project. Um, from the community, we had Mike D um, come by. And uh, Mike D got a Fona and a Metro and has been in the basement uh, all this time, uh, working on projects, learning stuff, getting creative with electronics, and made a rotary cell phone uh, that you can call, and like it'll ring the phone, and you can pick it up, and uh, it acts like a phone, basically. Um, but uh, he's gonna, when he can go to bars, he's gonna take it to a bar and put it on there, and people can, can call him on the phone, and it rings really loud. Uh, great job, that's a, a really fun, a popular project. Uh, next up, he wants to add a thermal printer, so when you SMS him, uh, it'll print out on a little uh, piece of paper and you can rip it off. I love it. So uh, Mike D super cool. Um, uh, Travis, the maker, is back. Uh, launched his Kickstarter for the Build Your Own Keyboard. Check it out on Kickstarter. It got funded. 
Uh, it's using Itsy Bitsy M0, so you can code up your own mini keyboard in Arduino or CircuitPython. Um, he's giving away some. They're doing buy one, give one. Uh, they're trying to keep it low cost, but uh, if you want to go back that on Kickstarter, check it out. And uh, if you do have a Kickstarter, uh, we don't post Kickstarters, but you can come on Show and Tell and promote your own, and that's fine. So he did that. Good work, Travis. Yeah, there's some exceptions. If you're like doing Adafruit-related stuff, um, and like it's a project you've shown on the Show and Tell, uh, we've done posts. Yeah, but in general, we recommend. Yeah, the reason we don't is because there's a lot of um, promises. Well, also kind of like what happened to social media, where it just becomes like influencers, and with Kickstarters, it, a lot of them turned into like failed hardware businesses, and so we try to only feature ones that you know we have an idea. The maker has come on and done a video, talked about it, uh, showed like real working hardware. Um, and uh, relatively safe bet, yeah. um, so folks don't get disappointed. Because for a while there was like renderings of like the Remember latest like thing. the toothbrush thing. There was like the like the laser shave thing. There was man, it was everything. Weird. Then they migrated to Indiegogo. Then they kind of disappeared. Or like the the shields are up right now for the most part. I think people have a pretty good detector. Um, they've moved on to like crypto stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's all yeah. to crypto yep. stuff. Uh, okay, and that was your history of the internet. Uh, Liz uh, is working on a uh, Raspberry Pi Pico MIDI controller, um, and Mark is uh, contributing to CircuitPython by adding parallel bus display support, so like 8-bit buses or maybe even 16-bit buses for really fast display updates. He's adding that to the RP2040. Thank you, Mark. It's also awesome to see people um, contribute uh, peripheral support uh, to CircuitPython for their favorite chips. It really gets more projects possible. Um, you know, we get we got the RP2040 definitely up and running, but uh, if people want to contribute, uh, we're, we're starting to get contributions in, and it's great. And that was show and tell. Okay. It's part of our Adafruit live series of shows. If you're watching this right now, it's Ask an Engineer. It's 8 p.m. Yes. Show and tell is every Wednesday at 7.30. Those They're are our Wednesday shows at night. Show and tell. Ask an Engineer on Sunday. We have Desk of Lady Ada. This week on Desk of Lady Ada, we showed some new samples. We had these really new neo, cool uh, NeoPixel stuff. We got some cool NeoPixel samples. I, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm always getting new ones, and I can't help it. I just love them all. So check that out. Uh, yeah. And then like we double also... Double LED strip and, like, like pre-addressable strips. I don't know, all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. Where in the world is that part I need? The Great Search with DJ and then we did the great search. Uh, we did that with DigiKey. It's Lady Ada using all our powers of engineering to show you how to search the ginormous side of DigiKey. And what did you look for this week? All right, this week was SD card holders. So that's a common thing people need. And I showed off a couple different types that I've used or I've seen that like stuff to watch for. Um, adding SD card storage to your project can be really easy. There's support for like every microcontroller and development environment it has code for SD card interfacing. It's not, it's not too hard. Um, CircuitPython, Arduino for sure, and MicroPython for sure, and, uh, you know, every C SDK. Um, but you'll definitely need a good SD card holder to hold that SD card. But once you do, you can have, like, gigabytes of storage for, like, 10 bucks. What, a, what an awesome idea. Uh, great for data logging projects. So, um, you know, I show some tips and tricks and um, some models of SD card holders you may not have seen before all on the Great Search. So it's Sunday, usually around 8 or 9 o'clock. And uh, we do what's on Lady Ada's desk, as hence the name Desk of Lady Ada. And then we have a great search. Tuesdays, we do JP's product pick. And here is a recap 
from this week. You can tune in every Tuesday. We broadcast this is live. Graphic. We're like yeah. <laughs> getting we, weird. <laughs> we broadcast live from a product page, and we have deep discounts just for that period of time. I think we're the only electronic company or any company that does that right now. Um, in other countries, um, specifically like Taobao, Alibaba, kind of land, they'll they'll do stuff like this, and that's where we got the idea from. So take it away, JP. Here's a little bit of highlight. DS1841 Log Digipot. This is fantastic for any time where you want to be able to change the volume using either software controls or some other non-mechanical sensor to adjust volumes, then you want to introduce this into the mix. I've got a little clock radio and I, I opened it up and I ran some wires to the internal volume potentiometer. And I have grafted the DS1841 into there. It's running over a Stemma QT cable to this Metro, which has CircuitPython running on it. It is the DS1841, and it is a great digital substitute for a mechanical potentiometer for audio applications. And coming up on Thursday is JP's workshop when you can see the latest things. We have a bunch of cool Pico stuff coming up ahead. Um, and we also have a Make Code Minute that you can watch either real time on Thursdays or you can catch up and we're going to play that one right now. For the Make Code Minute today, I wanted to talk about a brand new feature inside of Make Code Arcade. I've loaded up one of my game picks of the week from, from the past, which was this mini Galaga game. We're not gonna look at the gameplay, we're not gonna look at how it's coded, but we're gonna look at this really terrific new feature, which is the Asset Browser. So you'll see here, up at the top, we have the blocks interface, we have the JavaScript tab, which you may be used to seeing those two, but here's this new one, assets. So what I'm gonna do is, let's just go ahead and hit that, assets. So here you can see, this is a list of all of the assets in the game. These are sprites uh, that have, or backgrounds that have been used inside of the game. And you of course can always find them inside of blocks. So if we switch over to the blocks view, they're gonna be in here. Uh, there's, there's the background sprite, um, here is the ship player sprite. And as you can see by my dramatic uh, <laughs> uh, representation of this, it is actually a little bit of work to surf around finding the assets if you wanna go and change one. So now this asset browser allows you to go in very quickly, pick, let's say we wanna change the color of all of these green meanies. We can just click on the asset in the asset browser. We get a little asset preview tells us some info about it, the uh, type of asset it is, the size and pixels. We can duplicate it here, copy it here. If we wanna make a variant on it, this is a really convenient place to do. We can also just pop the sprite editor right open. So this will make it really quickly to go through and make some wholesale change. Let's say it's just gonna be pink baddies. Uh, done, that just saved that asset. We could of course copy it first if we wanna use them in different ways. So this is really terrific. As you know, some of these games can get pretty big, pretty out of hand. You can have lots and lots of assets. I've picked a fairly tame one here, but open up one of your favorite games and make code arcade and head to the assets 
browser just to take a look and maybe to edit some of those sprites. And that is how you can open up the new asset browser inside of MakeCode Arcade. That's your MakeCode Minute. Okie dokie, so tune in to Mario for JP's workshop. Alright, time travel. A little bit of news. I feel like I'm time traveling all the time, but I'm like in molasses time. There is. Um, so time travel okay. this week, just a little bit of a reminder, we're going to be shipping the next Adabox in April. So uh, we don't have tons of openings. If you've been on the fence, we will run out because we're going to start doing promotions probably in March. So if you haven't yeah, already... Yeah, we started with it. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be a good one. If you signed up, stay signed up because if you leave, uh, you're not going to be able to get your spot back. Yeah. Um, other bits of time travel news. Uh, this is Black History Month. And if you go to the Adafruit site, we have uh, at least a few posts a day um, celebrating black inventors, scientists, engineers, artists, musicians. You can go through and look at not only this year's um, posts, but all the posts that we do every single year. We've been doing this from the start. This is from the Adafruit team, and this is something important to us. So check it out if you're at a company. Um, this is a good month to celebrate others. Um, March is Women's History Month. We'll have stuff then. And in April, um, there's also... Uh, I'm trying to th We have to look at our calendar. But there's always a month where you can celebrate someone. So this month in particular, um, check out not only the current things in the month, but look... The, that we've put throughout the rest of the year, like businesses that you can support. Yes. So all of it's there. And then you can also go to adafruit.com slash Black Lives Matter. And you can see all the things that we put together as a team over the last year as well. Next up, let's go to uh, our jobs board, jobs at adafruit.com. We're going to fix the economy. Um, someone's going to do it. Slowly but surely. Uh, go to There's jobs. Job. Yeah, go to jobs at adafruit.com. Um, these are some of the ones that we had featured that I just want to do another shout out um, because they're pretty high level roles. Executive Director for the Open Source Initiative, the OSI, Director of Resource Development at the Python Software Foundation, and a Community Game Designer at Hack Club. All those are available right now. Um, apply for them, and you can also post your skills if you're looking to get your skills out there so you can take on some cool work. Um, a lot of it's going to be remote, too. <laughs> so, good time. Yeah. And you, don't, you no longer have to worry about whether you're, uh, you're in the same city or state. Yeah. All right, next up. It is Python and Hardware News. It's the Blinka News. Beep, right. beep, 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 Blinka. The news this week, um, okay. the talk that you did is posted. Yes. So this was the Linux AU. Um, okay, so everyone who's like, why did CircuitPython fork? Why did you do Blinka? Why did you make all these decisions? These are bad decisions. I think they're bad decisions. There may be a reason behind these decisions. You could... Watch this talk, and I will explain from beginning to end uh, the story of how CircuitPython and Blinka came to be and why I made some decisions. We even got yeah. an email from somebody saying, that, which we've known for a while, and he's like, oh, he's like, I never really understood why CircuitPython had to fork. And they're like, I watched this, and I actually understand why you did it. Um, so yeah. check it out. It's also a great history of like all things microcontroller and electronics packed into one hour, and I also uh, serve up duck three ways at the end. All right. Um, this is kind of neat. These are the die shots of the Raspberry Pi RP2040. Yeah, mini Raspberry Pi logo. So you could start to see the uh, insides of. Oh, he's like you're like zooming in. 
The chip. Cool. Nice. Yeah. That can run Python. That's right. That's yeah. literally Python on that hardware. <laughs> literally Python on the hardware. Um, another reminder, 27,000 people in Discord. Some of you are there right now. We have 4,528 people online right now. Um, Scott's Deep Dive is this week. Don't forget that. News around the web, you can check out Melissa's really cool. Um, it's like a little personal digital assistant, a CPDA, CircuitPython digital assistant. It runs on a Adafruit Pi portal, Titano, and does things like calculator, has little icons. Reminds you of, uh, reminds you of the, like the Newton and the Palm. Love and, it. And uh, the Magic Cap. OS. I, well, remember we, we went and saw the Magic Hat uh, while we were working yeah. on Pi Portal, I think, was when we went yeah. to watch the Magic Hat um, uh, documentary. Remember yeah. we were watching movies? Yeah, I remember going to the that movies. Was, that was cool. Keep going have a couple more projects. We also released a guide. Uh, you can see um, this is uh, Professor uh, G. Professor G's uh, mask launcher or mask giver. Uh, this is kind of neat. The circuit sculpture... Uh, hobby comes to the Pico, and this is Circuit Python and Circuit Sculpting with Circuit Python powering it. Here's some more uh, Pico projects. Ooh, this is MIDI. So that's yeah, a good idea. some MIDI stuff. Uh, everyone's checking out uh, Stonks, Stonks, and uh, Gamespot. <laughs> and if you and if you want to use the, and make the easiest possible stock ticker, you can do it with Circuit Python in a matter of minutes. And so, like, if you wanted your own stock ticker, if you're like, okay, like, I'm going to just check out this trend today, or I'm on Wall Street Bets tomorrow, or I'm going to use Robinhood now, like, this is, this is a way to do it. It's a great way to see your money disappear. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, here's a OSC device using SonicPy and Raspberry Pi Pico. The ADC reads CircuitPython slider allowing the pupils on the dinky OSC to move all around the eyes. It was a really cute project. Yeah. Um... Pimeroni. Lots of people doing Pico MicroPython. Spy. Yeah. Um, so Pico's making the rounds. You can see a bunch of um, uh, tutorials and more. Um, folks are diving right in, getting their Python on, and then programming microcontrollers. So this wrap-up uh, week that we did has a lot of uh, MicroPython projects, a lot of CircuitPython projects. You can use these with Pico. One of the cool things with CircuitPython, of course, or really What's Python, is you can take the code and move it around, and it works Yeah. other places. Other guides that we publish, team notes and more, we're up to 290 libraries. You can see what each team member is up to on the team, what we're publishing, what events are ahead, and more. And that is Python on Hardware News for this week. It's been massive, and this Pico launch is just going to, like, there's now thousands and thousands of people that now have a board that runs MicroPython, CircuitPython. So I think we're going to see a ton more projects, code, contributions. I'm super psyched. Yeah. And the whole idea is, and this is the thing I like about electronics right now, is you have choices because you can boot up as CircuitPython. You can use it MicroPython. You can mm-hmm. use you it have two built in, So it's yeah. like trivial. Oh, my God. I love that. It's just like drag and drop. It's like exactly like the next generation. It's perfect. So yeah. a, a lovely... A new microcontroller. I'm, I'm enjoying seeing people, you know, like it, it's funny. I mean, like I, I think eventually there'll be Arduino for it, and that's really good. But I kind of love that people are sort of being forced to use MicroPython and CircuitPython, right? Because it's like that's the that's the way you can do um, projects. And I think um, we're, you know, we're gonna see people kind of being pushed to use something that a lot of people are like, oh, I, you know, I've never used it. I don't want to use it. I'll use Arduino. 
But now they're kind of like, well, you got to use MicroPython. That's the official language. Yeah, cool. and for a lot of folks, they're like, they have they start off with what they this is a good segue into our open source stuff. They start off with, oh, I just want to move a servo, and we made it so easy that gets them going, and then they can use other stuff later. But like CircuitPython gets you going in a matter of minutes. Um, it's one of the programming languages we like to use. We work on and develop it. We have 2,412 guides this week. Yeah. A bunch of them have to have CircuitPython. What was on the big board this week, Lady Yeah, Ada? we launched a lot of guides. Last week was, you know, a couple. But this week we got six new guides. Okay, well, uh, last week we had the NeoPixel sh Crystal Chandelier with CircuitPython that Aaron did in the AI Freezer Monitor by Adi. Um, this week we kicked it off with a no-solder visualizer capacitive touch controller. So JP installed, like, this processing app. And this is like a really common, um, honestly, a, a thing at the Media Lab is people would like make these really cool visualizers or art projects, but then they'd want like some way for people to interact with it, sort of like a museum exhibit type thing. And that was actually the really hard part. So I thought like, let's just show how you can plug and play no solder. And a lot of the projects that we're starting to publish are no solder, which I love. Um, so this is a no soldering um, visualizer where we use uh, STEM IQT to plug in the capacitive touch board um, into a cutie pie using a cable and then copper tape to make the capacitive touch pads. And then he just printed on the color printer, this like wheel and you touch each pad and it makes the, um, the controller. Uh, we have a guide for the new SPI flash SD card. Uh, can you wrote that up? Um, it's an SD card. It's a chip. It's an SD card on a chip. I don't know. It's cool. Uh, people really like it. It's great for data logging, um, or, uh, high, high vibration, high, uh, stress situations where you're worried that the SD card is going to come loose. Don't have to worry about that. Uh, Deborah did a beautiful, beautiful guide on this Infinity Mirror collar. She made a um, uh, a bracelet and was like, "Hey, I think of doing this bracelet." I said, "You know what? I think a collar would look so cool, right? Because it would like it would be kind of this robo cyber thing." Um, so now she has a collar and a bracelet, so that's that's cool. And uh, she posted also some video on her uh, Twitter, but I'm um, using. Um, side light neopixels and this uh, vinyl that is like translucent mirror-y, uh, you can make um, like wearables that uh, have a infinity mirror effect. Um, we also have from Carter uh, RGB matrix portal room CO2 monitor. This is actually because we saw so many people, I want to show this off. So many people were doing projects and um, they were, uh, they wanted to do CO2 Monitoring. Sorry, let me grab my. Yeah. So one of the things that we do at Adafruit is we make sure we have really good airflow, and uh, one of the things that we're installing are these. Uh, we know our airflow is uh, really good. It's one of the reasons that I think that we've managed to stay safe. Um, everyone's really far apart, but they're also um, in like really high ceilings. We have cross airflow. Um, we have filtered Seems. air coming in. And but, uh, we're not recirculating the air. So this one, it's just flicker because the power supply is not that good. But um, you can see that it has a, a smiley face. Why is this flickering? And when I breathe on it, oh man. You know what? Let me demo this in a sorry. I apologize. This is not, uh, not looking good. But um, check out the video, live demo. Um, oh, wait, you want me to try this? Yeah, why not? I don't know if that one works better. Oh, yeah, much better. Sorry about that. Then I got your computer's like, hey, you plugged in a board. Um, uh, sorry, so I just breathed on it, so it's like warning that the CO2 is really high. Um, but if you hang this up, what we wanted to do is make a project that classrooms could have because we were hearing from people that are like, we want this in our workplace or our classroom or like, you know, a, a hall or someplace where a lot of people, a cafeteria, people 
place where people gather and we want to monitor um, the airflow and CO2 is a really good way of doing that. So when your CO2 level is under 1000 ppm or 800 ppm, that means that there's enough airflow that um, the human breath isn't building up. Um, but if it gets too high, if it gets over like 1000 or 2000, you probably want to open up a window. So for folks that, you know, especially it's, it's really cold up here. Um, if you're in a cold area and you want to open the windows to get circulation, but you don't want to open the windows so much that everyone's freezing, um, this can be a really good uh, helper guide for, you know, whether you're getting enough ventilation indoors. So uh, good job, Carter, for making the, I think it's sim the simplicity is what makes this project so cool, in my opinion. It's like it just does what it does. It doesn't do anything else. Um, and it's also a no solder project. You can just plug and play it um, to make a, a true CO2 monitor. Uh, we've also got, uh, I just want to show, I just love that project so much. Thanks, Carter, to, for doing it. Um, we also got the uh, Cosplay Floating Motion LED Fireball. We have a little video uh, that will play afterwards with it. Um, and this is cool. This was kind of based off of a project that a bunch of Etsy sellers have been making. Um, so Aaron was like, I want to do this, but I want to make it like not just glow, but actually have like a fire effect. And then when you move your hand, um, it flickers or when you, you know, shake or when you make a, a sound, it um, lights up. And it's all in make code, so it's really easy to do. And then um, uh, Melissa did a project, like we mentioned, with Home Assistant. How to use CircuitPython to make a temperature and humidity sensor that um, sends data to your Home Assistant install. So it can be used for little sensor nodes. And you can even go to deep sleep modes to save power. Um, so yeah, there's another couple, quite a few no solder projects this week, which is good. Yeah. No solder, no Arduino. Love it. We have a video from Aaron. Yep. City Factory footage.
near. This is the SHT force. This is in the, in the, the new board. And the, they were like, hey, we, we always QA the sensor. And they're like, this sensor is so small. I said, yeah, but it, it works great. This is it. Like, and they got a photo of it right. so I could QA the... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then we had Thanks, some, Elmo. <laughs> then we had some weather. It's cold and, and uh, snowy. It was snowy. And it uh, wouldn't be factory footage without some... Uh, Soho, um, Soho snow. snow, and uh, here's some of the, the snow coming in. And uh, a blizzard. yeah, it's not a little bit. Uh, Disney uh, got snowed in, so they dug a big hole. Now it's starting to look a little bit like the snow. wall from Game of Thrones, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, look, they're, they're like, we got to dig away the snow. <laughs> and that's the factory footage for the week. All right, 3D printing. We're going to play these back-to-back. Um, we got the heart-shaped PCB, and then we have a speed-up take-it-away Noam Pedro. Okay. Hey, what's up, folks? In this project, we're making a glowy LED heart with Adafruit's Cutie Pie. This is a simple PCB with NeoPixels that we designed and CNC milled. We made it as a beginner-friendly PCB for folks who want to practice SMB soldering. The CutiePie dev board sits flush in the center and features a cutout for the SPI flash chip. To make our PCBs, we use the desktop CNC mill from Bantam Tools. I really like their software because you can easily drag and drop your CAD files. We designed the PCB in Autodesk Eagle and created a custom footprint for the CutiePie. This was routed for a single-layered board and features pretty chunky traces. The width of the traces are set to 0.6 inches, so they'll work well with a 132 inch tool. I made the SMD pads for the CutiePie a bit wider so they're easier to solder. I used the footprint for the NeoPixels from the Adafruit MicroBuilder library. Routing for a single tool keeps it simple and it helps reduce machining time. These single-sided FR1 blanks from Bantam Tools are pre-cut so they'll fit on the spoil board. The 132 inch flattened mill is my go-to tool whenever I'm milling PCBs. Using a fan bit keeps the dust away and it's pretty handy if you're doing any sort of filming. End mills are secured to the collet and the machine has a probing process that checks the tool's Z height. I was able to fit four PCBs on one sheet. You can get the most out of your material by placing your boards closer together. To secure the PCB blank to the spoil board, you can use double-sided scotch tape. I like to use wide tape because it gives you more coverage, just be careful the tape doesn't overlap. The PCB is lined up with the lower left corner of the spoil board. Material can be warped, so I make sure to press down firmly and wipe the surface clean. After going through your internal checklist, get ready to start milling. While cutting the outline, the fan bit got loose and flew off the end mill. Scary for sure, I let the machine go instead of hitting the emergency stop. Thankfully, this didn't affect the cut, so I just stuck it back on and the tool persisted. After milling, I made sure to inspect the traces and the board outlines. To get rid of all the dust, I like using a handheld vacuum with this tiny tube attachment. To remove the PCBs, you can use alcohol to soften up the adhesive so you can easily pry it off. 
I'm using a razor blade, but a thin spatula or a palette knife would work just as good, if not safer. I was able to remove the PCB from the spoil board in one piece, which is pretty ideal. After some cleanup, the PCBs came out really nice. All four of these came out pretty clean, so we can get them ready for soldering. They only took about 10 minutes to machine, which is pretty impressive. We'll get the cutie pie ready to solder, but first let's get the spy flash tip soldered onto the back. Use the marker on the solder mask to get the ground pins oriented correctly. I'll tin one of the pads first to get one leg anchored to the PCB, then we can adjust it. Heat up the single pin and then you can reposition with tweezers to correct the placement. Once the first pin is in place, you can add solder to the tip of the iron and carefully brush it onto the pins. I was able to fix some bridging by heating up the solder joint and removing it with a clean tip. Reflow if you need to, just be sure to frequently clean the tip of the iron. Once all the pins were soldered, I thoroughly inspected each of the pads. Next time I do any SMD soldering, I'll try to use some flux. I added a piece of Kapton tape over the power and ground pads to avoid shorting anything out. I secured the PCB to a stick vise and placed the cutie pie on top in the center. Check the pads on both sides so they fit evenly spaced apart. Castellated pads on the cutie pie make it easier to surface mount. After the first pad is soldered, the rest gets easier. To get the most mechanical strength, I flooded the through-hole pins with some more solder. I made sure to thoroughly check the solder joints are fully touching the pads. After that, it's time to solder up these NeoPixels so we can take them out of the tape reel. Place the first NeoPixel using the corner marker to note the ground pin. I used my phone to reference a screenshot of the design so I could correctly orient the LEDs. Similar process, tin the tip of the iron and add a small amount of solder to the pads. Once one pad is anchored, the rest gets easier. Once again, making sure to thoroughly inspect each pad on the pixels. You can use a 5-volt USB battery to power the Cutie Pie with a USB-C cable. It's running CircuitPython using the LED animation library to make them pulse red. I hope this inspires you to make your own PCBs and get into SMD soldering. Thanks so much for watching and don't forget to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit. Catch no Pedro every Thursday. I love like this. Sorry, every Wednesday. The mittens are already 3D modelable. You can now yeah. burn it to any project you wish. Every Wednesday, 3D Hangouts. So I, and then tomorrow is our 3D Thursday uh, groups of um, post some more. All right, next up, DigiKey and Adafruit present.
All right, this week's INMPI is from Diodes. I know. Well, you know, first up, I want to say they do make diodes and they make great diodes, but they also make things that are not diodes. And I feel like Diodes Incorporated, they don't get enough love. I mean, they're not one of like the big five semiconductor companies, um, but they do make really good stuff. In fact, um, our favorite regulators, our power converters and regulators are from Diodes Incorporated. So I do want to give them a shout out. And so when I saw this uh, product show up on digikey.com slash new, I was actually, and some people are like, oh, like, do people like, you know, are, are you told what to put on IMPI? No, believe me, the things I picked, these are things I'm actually personally interested in. And um, you're going to see this chip appear in a lot more of my designs because this chip is awesome. Yeah. Okay. This is how we decide. This is how I find more This is how chips. we decide on what things we're going to put in our products. Right. So uh, the AP63300 and 001 uh, it looks like this. Very exciting. It's a TSOT 6. What is it? Um, I'm glad you asked. Here is a leaflet from Diaz Incorporated, which kind of covers everything. New product announcement. This is a 3-amp, low-quiescent current, synchronous buck converter with great EMI performance. But let me tell you what's awesome about this um, buck converter. Because, you know, I, I use low dropout regulators all the time. And even somebody asked me, you know, I think on the last Descaladiator, they're like, why don't you use buck converters or, or buck boost converters instead of a low dropout. And I'm like, well, usually there's a big price difference or a cost difference. Um, so here's what's really cool about the this series. So this is a, a table with a couple different chips on it, but I'm talking about the two ones at the top, the 6300 and the 63301. Okay, so the first thing that's awesome about these is the input range. It's 3.8 volts to 32 volts. So like you can put almost any voltage in here. Like this is great. You can run off lead acid batteries. You can have it work in a vehicle you can have it run off of like solar panels you can run it off like anything right um alkalines and up the output voltage is also a very wide range it can go from 0.8 volts that's the lowest up to vn and when it gets very close to vn it actually kind of makes the chip turn into a low dropout regulator you can read about that in the data sheet um basically just 30 volts up to 30 volts input up to 30 volts output so this is great because a lot of the buck converters that we've seen are like, oh, max is out at 12 volts or max is out at 6 volts. This one, it's like pure range, right? I've never, I've never even used more than 24 volts in any of my designs. So this is, this is great. Um, good if you, I know there's people who are like, I have robotics projects. I want to have a buck converter for my robotics project, but I have uh, 14 volts in or something. Not a problem. Or 28 volts in. Number three. Uh, the A out, three amps continuous, love it. And you don't need any external MOSFETs or diodes, it's synchronous. So all you need um, is a couple of passive components and uh, we'll show that um, next. Um, there's two versions and I'm gonna chat about the two next versions, uh, why there's an 01 and an 00. There's slightly different operation modes and quiescent currents and I'll explain um, that shortly. Uh, but let's show off the uh, typical application circuit. Again, I love it. You don't need any external components. There's even a little boost converter thingy inside, uh, booster for the uh, high side FET. So you know, that's the C3 capacitor. Input bulk cap, output bulk cap, voltage divider, feedback loop with a little feedback uh, cap, a little mini cap there just to stabilize it, and your big inductor, and you're done. That's it. There's even an enable pin. Love it. Um, like I said, goes up to three amps. Uh, the, there's going to be differences in the efficiencies when you're talking about lower current. Lower current, less than 100 or 50 milliamps. 
So this is the, if you look at the bottom, it says the AP63300, which I'll just call the, the 300. So the 300 has uh, good efficiency pretty much across the board. You can see here are like various VNs and Vouts. You're always going to be basically looking at, you know, 70 to 90% efficiency from a couple milliamps all the way up to three amps. This is a log scale, of course. The 301, you'll notice, um, has a totally different efficiency uh, scale. Once you get below, you know, about 100 milliamps, um, the efficiency plummets. So if you need high efficiency, uh, whether it's at low or high uh, current draw, you'll want the 300. Um, there are some situations where you'll want the 301. Um, oh, the quiescent also matters. Uh, the quiescent current for the 300, uh, the one that has a high efficiency um, across like all the current is going to be only 22 microamps. The 301 is, I think it says 280 microamps, 200, 200 ish microamps. So a lot worse quiescent, you know, pretty high quiescent current for the 301. Um, so you're probably like, well, wait a minute. So the 301 is has much higher quiescent and is much less, much less efficient at low current. Why on earth would I want that? Um, the reason you would want that is this is uh, the 300, right? So the one that's high efficiency, low quiescent. And what I want you to look at in specific is in the top right, you've got that V out uh, ripple. So this is the ripple at low current, right? That says, I think, 50 milliamps. Um, so you'll see that you, you, this version of the buck converter changes the way it does um, the PWM output, the frequency plummets to get better efficiency at low current, but it's a lot noisier. You see that that range there is, is, is the, it says 100 millivolt per division. Whereas the one that is fixed, uh, more fixed frequency, um, and you can see the top right, this, the graphs are not in the same location, so just be aware. The frequency is in the top right, you see the frequency stays stable. Um, and because of that, the output voltage ripples much, much lower. So basically, you know, use the 300, you're going to get better efficiency um, at low current, and you're going to have a low quiescent current, lower quiescent current across the board. But if you have, um, if you're doing a lot of low current stuff under 100 milliamps, and you need low noise, this might not be good for you. They're pin compatible, so you can, you can switch and swap. Start with one, try the other. Um, there's an eval board. I even picked up an eval board. I just love the simplicity of it. Um, it is a TSOT chip, which is kind of weird. You might be wondering, like, well, how, you know, it's doing three amps with internal MOSFETs. How is it uh, di um, uh, di uh, dissipating all that current, uh, that heat from that current draw? Um, well, first off, the internal MOSFETs are, are pretty low. I think they're like, you know, 75 milliamps. But also this PCB has uh, two ounce copper and you can kind of see that, I'll show on the overhead too, the pads are like really big for the TSOT. Maybe, yeah, you wanna zoom, you wanna zoom in. I'll push the zoom in. Here, near, you're always talking about near and far. Um, so that's the TSOT there and you see this has, it's much wider than you would expect a TSOT to be. Um, so it uses this for, for current carrying and also for, um, heat dissipation, you see the big chunk inductor, the bulk capacitance, and then of course here is the resistor divider. And then on the bottom, um, they have a little bit of a copper um, ground plane as, as the heat sink, because this doesn't have like a central heat sink pad. And they use a bunch of vias to help. So there's a, a big ground plane um, stitch here. Oh, sorry, actually it's not the heat sink. I, I'm, I apologize. 
I didn't read that. So that's right. That's the that's the A, uh, that is just like a, a heat sink. Sorry, a um, large ground plane with a larger ground plane on the bottom. Um, but the heat dissipation, I think they do talk about. They just say use two ounce copper and just use um, these big pads. So that's the only thing. But otherwise, comparatively, it's a very easy package to solder. You're never going to have any rework issues with this. You can even hand solder it if you want. So I think this is a great comparison. And then of course, uh, the best thing about this chip is the price. It's like 40 cents on a reel, um, which means it's, it's basically the same price as an LDO. So if you're using a 7800X or if you're using an, a 1117 or any of those, you know, popular LDOs, you can like toss it out and use this, get it, you know, 10, 20 cent inductor. You're going to have wide input, wide output, extremely high current, no heat sink required, um, and for the same price. So you get like better performance. Uh, you do have a little bit more noise because it's a, it's a buck converter. But overall, like, you know, I looked and in this class for this range of inputs and outputs and current, this is definitely the cheapest one. And I've always had a great experience with um, diodes, ink converters. Uh, they're rock solid, even though they're like often the least expensive available. Um, I've never had an AP2112 break on me. They've just been so solid. So I really like this buck converter. I think, you know, don't be scared off by the fact that it has this wide input, wide output and high current. It just means you can use it for anything. Like I'm going to use it for stuff that is, you know, five volt to three volt conversion you know, with only like maybe a half an amp of current draw. Why? Because why not? It's 40 cents. Put it on everything. Put it on your cheesecake. Give it to your kids for Christmas, whatever. It's 40 cents. How can you go wrong? It's the AP63300. All right. And that is this week's INPI. Very cool, unique product. Good find. All right, cool. We're going to jump okay. right into new products. Let's do ready? it. Yep. New, 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 new. All right, well, we have some revisions. We got a bunch of revisions. more. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's kick it off. Okay. Uh, Teeny Pico. We love this ESP32 board from um, Unexpected Maker. And this is V2. You're probably wondering what changed. Well, um, it's now single-sided. So the bottom, go to the, the next image. Sorry, no, that the... the that one it's totally flat uh it's even got a little bit of like a like an itsy bitsy like jst connector thing on the bottom there um i think it's either double-sided or, or four layer board oh can you go back one uh new antenna it's a 3d fractus antenna looks like super cool i think some other things got updated i think there's now like a reset button on the top and it wasn't there before but basically it's like an all-in-one esp32 board super tiny single-sided and it's 20 bucks it's a great board people love this um, I think it's got like extra uh, big flash too, but um, I think altogether I love the NeoPixel or Dot Star there. Um, it's a great little board for people who want to play with ESP, but small. Okay, and uh, also comes with comes a card, card and all that stuff. And there's an LDO. There's a couple things that got updated, but the biggest one for me was like it's single sided now. Except. Okay, another revision. The stem acutification uh, train rolls on. Choo-choo. This stop is the INA219. Um, you'll notice that I'm starting to get to, like, really old boards, like really, you know, original boards that we've had for a very long time. Um, these are the toughest ones to revise because, of course, you know, we, we make a lot of them. We have to do a revision process. Um, but we revised this board, so it now has stem QT connectors. It's still the lovable INA219 
I squared C power monitor, plus or minus 26 volts, I think like plus or minus two amps or something. Um, you can set the uh, jumpers on the back, but it's just like STEMIQT, it's plug and play now, really easy to use with any of our STEMIQT boards. Um, I've, you know, I plugged one of these into a clue and made a cool solar panel monitor over the summer, uh, and that worked out real well for me. So um, I'm liking it, and I uh, will just keep QTifying the world. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Pimeroni has also done some revisions. So this is their mood lamp kit. Um, it's a Raspberry Pi Zero with like a hat on it, and it's been updated. Um, it's actually not super visible in this one, but they've updated it to be a Pi Zero WH. So now the headers are pre-soldered. You don't have to do any soldering. And the bonnet that goes on top is a unicorn mini hat so it has like many many more leds so it's like even fancier but most importantly there's no soldering and the library code has changed a little bit all right next up next up is uh this pump um which we've stuck for a bit it's a horizontal pump it even made an appearance in adabox same pump but now the wire is really long you can see how long this wire is it's a whole meter long people were like i want a longer wire and i was like oh yeah why not good idea so we just asked the factory can you just make the same thing but with a one meter long cable and they did. So it works just the same. It's just long. Okay. Now we're actually getting to some new products. Um, this is from, uh, also, we had this in our last Adabox. It's a uh, whiteboard, like a flexible, thin whiteboard magnet thingy. And here's some cool art, which you, if you, somebody here clearly worked at a cafe or something, because it's like <laughs> very cafe art. Um, you can draw on it with whiteboard markers. Um, we just thought it was like kind of a nice, you can cut it. It's just kind of nice whiteboard material with a magnetic back. Okay. Next up. Okay, next up, we've got, uh, from Crazy Circuits, we've got this bit board kit. So I just went straight for the kit. So what is it? I got some pictures. So this is for microbit. A microbit's not included, uh, but you can, uh, of course, pick up any microbit from us, or you, maybe you have one. And um, it's a box, and it's a very nice box. I kind of like this box. And it comes with all these little parts that um, if you uh, look, like this photo is the, the best photo. So what you do is it's got PCBs and components that have these holes that snap directly into Lego and Lego compatible plates and bricks. And so you can actually, instead of like making a circuit board, you make like a fabric circuit board by using this conductive nylon. Uh, it comes with a real like thin conductive nylon. And you kind of craft your circuit using that nylon, and then if you see the holes, you kind of press fit them down and it like snugs onto um, the conductive nylon to make a co um, conductive connection. And the, the nylon works well with capacitive touch, it can draw current. Um, one thing that's particularly nice about it is unlike copper, it doesn't crack. Um, but then you can kind of mix and match your, your Lego and Lego compatible stuff um, with microbit, and microbit comes with, of course, make code, so that makes it really easy to use. And you get a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so let's maybe go over the overhead and I can actually show. Yeah, and I also wanted to show that you get these cards. You get uh, these. Hold on, I gotta zoom guides. back out because we zoomed in so much. Yeah, and then here Okay, we go. so this is uh, a blue LED, and you see it comes pre soldered and it has like these big gold pads. This is what makes conductive connectivity with this nylon, so this is metallic nylon, which you can cut with scissors. Um, just focus, okay. So this is blue, and then uh, this is a little piezo buzzer, so this makes noise. This is a little switchy switch. 
They're all very cute little designs. Uh, potentiometer. So all soldered. Uh, here's a NeoPixel. So these are all, um, you know, the, the spacing in the holes are just a little bit larger than the nubs on Lego compatible so that you can you can snap it on. There's like a button, a couple buttons. Uh, there's also this uh, like Lego-y compatible servo. These are cool, I've seen these. Uh, you get some alligator clips. Uh, there's more LEDs. This is like a very blue, this is like the bluest cable I've ever seen. Look how blue this is. Shocking. And that um, oh, one even comes with a little this must be like some sort of removers. Oh no, there's a divider. And then, hold on, I got it. So this is the, the plates. This is a Lego compatible plate. And then, yeah, like these, like they fit on, but they're like a teeny bit loose. So then when you put the nylon in and you press it down, it'll make a strong connection. And then this is um, what actually holds the micro bit. So for this, you don't actually put it directly onto the plate because it's, it won't, you know, it's not, uh, it doesn't have holes all the way through. Instead, if you look, uh, do you mind just going back real fast to this? I'll just explain it. Um, you see that there's one, those like thin one by eights or one by fours. You use those to lift it up. Um, but then the rest of the components can can go straight on the PCB, uh, the PCB, the, the Lego plate. Um, so I think, you know, I, I like that it comes with everything. I kind of wanted to start with an all-in-one kit. Uh, great for use with Microbit. You can use a Microbit V1, V2. You can use a Clue. You can use whatever. It comes with some uh, quick starts. Um, that you can use and then I would recommend using this with make code uh, for like super easy crafting and coding and Very also uh, check out Brundog Gadgets who is the maker distributor more of this kit crazy circuits Lego electronics it's here all right it's Lego -y. and uh, start the show tonight besides you lady our community our customers our team at Adafruit all the folks who help out is the uh, oops, that's one. That's not it. Next one. Oh, that is uh, no, that's a, that's a new thing that we revised. I meant this one. That's right. <laughs> and I, they all look the same. This is These a, are similar looking. Look they look this. identical. These I are know. similar. Well, okay. but we like the, the goth look. Okay, yeah. so the start of the show is the SHD forty. Um, that's that little teeny sensor we showed earlier. It's like a little like a speck of dust. So this is the fourth generation of Sensorian humidity and temperature sensors. That's the SHT four is the generation zero means it's like the first revision. Um, and so of course we stuck this onto a STEM QT board. Uh, we actually showed this off on INMPI a couple weeks ago and I said, I'm totally gonna make a board yeah. with this chip. Um, what's lovely about this is first off, it's tiny, it's very simple. It's got a built-in heater. Um, the I2C was super easy to use and it's got great precision. I think uh, between like 20 and 70% humidity, it's like 1.8. Uh, percent accurate and then um, it's got plus or minus uh, 0.2 percent um, so to 0.2 degrees C accuracy for temperature so it's extremely uh, affordable it's a low-cost um, sensor uh, even with the breakout board honestly I don't think people should be using DHT series humidity temperature sensors anymore just get one of these it does a way better job um, Sincerion is really good at this shit and it has true I squared C. Um, I've got a little demo to show it off. You know, I just think like temperature humidity sensors are just getting better and better. Um, but this one, you can see it's uh, telling the humidity and temperature in here. It's a nice balmy 
uh, indoor heating day. Uh, we got Luckily, we don't have all the windows open right now because we're doing a show. If I breathe on it, um, it reacts nice and fast, but I like that it doesn't spike crazy fast. And also there's a heater element that you can turn on um, so that if it is being used in a place that has such high humidity that like maybe there's water condensing onto the sensor, you can turn on the heater and the heater will, will help dissipate some of that heat and you can turn it on for like, you know, a second or a half a second or something. You can check the data sheet for the um, different settings. And um, we've got Arduino code and this is Arduino. We also have CircuitPython code, Python code, so you can use this with your Raspberry Pi. You can use it with you know, Home Assistant. You can use it with your CircuitPython. You can do what have you. It's a Great little sensor. I'm really liking, um, Sensorian is definitely like not, they don't stay put. Like they've been making humidity and temperature sensors for like easily over a decade. I remember the SHT10 and they're just getting better and better. I think they really like, they're finally getting like a really good system um, and interface for their sensors. And of course the sensor quality itself is excellent. All right, and with that is new products. Yay. Wrapping up right on time. Yeah, we'll have some top secret next week. Yeah. This week we don't. So let's um go over to Discord where there's some questions. Datafruit.it slash Discord. Join all 27,000 of us. Um, and let's do some questions. There was a yeah. question earlier in one of the chats. I'm going to yes. try to find it. It was about the cutie pie and like memory on it or something. Is Are you... It's, we were asked this before. Um, something about... How to put... You can solder memory on the back. Yeah, are we going to include... We don't include, we might eventually get around to fabbing it with it on already, but we also are kind of going to do the, the cutie, cutie Pico, which that's not the name of it. It's the cutie pie with the RP2040. And honestly, I think like you would just go to that because it's going to have the flash memory and it's going to be much faster and like overall, like a way better CircuitPython experience. So I think for now we might just, we, I, I'm, I'm thinking of maybe just keeping it as is where if you want to solder it on, you no. do, but to keep it low cost, um, it doesn't come with memory. Okay, um, we could do this one. This is a uh, uh, good maker biz question. Mm. Um, would you consider sharing business decisions like how Adafruit decides how much of a new board to produce in the first run, how to determine the price of product based on cost and value, interest in learned business logic uh, behind production choices? Okay, very easy. So the, the price thing is quite, quite simple. I take um, the cost of all the components, um, what I pay for it, and you know, uh, for 200 quantity or 1,000 quantity, I mean, like it depends, of course, on you know, some things they don't make that much of because they're they're just more expensive or they're not that popular or they're niche. For for the most part, I take the parts cost. Um, I combine that with the manufacturing cost. If you're outsourcing manufacturing, just what's the per cost per board? You 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 calculate that out. Um, I don't usually include NREs, but you know, you may want to, um, depending. And then um, I multiply by 1.5 or 1.7, somewhere in between there. That's the wholesale cost. And then I multiply by 1.5 to 1.7. That's the retail cost. And so that way um, I can sell it. And there's two margins when you sell directly. But then if you want to sell through uh, distributors, they get a margin and you get a margin. That way you don't go out of business. Um, I do find people underprice more than overpriced. I've rarely seen things where I'm like, wow, you really overpriced it. Um, and often, even if I do say that they've overpriced it, they didn't. What does uh, NRE stand for? It's, a um, it's, it's an expense you only pay once. So usually when you fabricate, the fabrication house will say, well, you, there's an NRE cost, a, a non-recurrent cost of buying the stencil, programming the pick and place. So 
Yeah. You may or may not include that in your initial cost. I don't. I, I just assume that I will recoup that over time. Yeah. And then how many we make? We initially Yeah, we initially make a short run, and then we'll quickly ramp up. 250. And uh, then we'll, you know, do thousands and thousands of later. But we really like to start around 250 for... 250. Yeah, on a product line. And then... Ask me again. No, I know. Okay. But I'm giving the reason. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a good number. Believe yeah. me, I've, I, have, I have, like, and studied this. 50 yeah. is too small. 1,000 is too many. 250. Yeah, you'll catch something in manufacturing sometimes, but also um, it's, you're often going to be doing revisions in electronics. So, anyways. 250. Okay. Um, Not 350. 250. Yeah. Uh, next up. How do you deal with dithering or jittery sensor data, like displaying temperature readings? I tried using a moving average, but it doesn't filter out readings, uh, larger readings off the average. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you know, you're, you don't have a lot of options, but basically doing a running average, which is a low-pass filter, that, you know, you could always do more. Um, you know, it's funny, is like you, you look... Unfortunately, everyone now knows about, knows about running averages from looking at... Uh, COVID data, right? Because if you actually look at the day by day, it's very spiky, right? How many new cases? But if you do a seven day running average, you get them. It's, it's not perfect. You're still going to see dips, you know, when there's a holiday or there's a snowstorm. Um, so data doesn't come in, but you're going to see a much smoother curve. So you just have to like change your running average amount. Um, sometimes the, the chips themselves have built in uh, filters, like uh, like some chips you can say, you said over, over sample, uh, filters and you tell it like take 32 samples and average them before you give it to me um, so you can do that you can do running average you can just take 32 samples and then average them you can do uh, median calculations where you throw out like the top and bottom two or whatever um, it's kind of unending but yeah you're, you're always going to have some noise you just have to determine how much data you want to take before that noise is going to um, show up in your data and how much lag you're willing to put up with because the more filtering you have the more lag you're going to get Okay, uh, follow-up question. Um, thank you so much for this. Uh, a couple of people are launching companies soon, so Yay! they don't like this. But, um, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's 1.5x the cost for wholesale, then yes. 1.5x the wholesale cost for retail. Yes, yeah. that's the minimum. That gives you 30% margins. Yeah. Um, if you want 40% margins, 1.66. Whether you need 30 or 40, it depends on, you know, do you have to, are you competing with something on the market and you have to adjust your margins? It's always easier to lower your price than to raise your price. Yeah. And then um, Carter posted up a link to a playlist in Discord. That's our Maker to Market series where we yeah. go through the process of designing Circuit Playground Express all the way and to... And I explain how I do the cost. I, I do all yeah. the math and I say, here's what I'm paying. And this is where it actually, you know, when you do that, that's when you realize that, wow, I, if I can save money on the materials cost, the bill of materials cost, the manufacturing cost, it ripples up quite much because you're multiplying it twice. So, you know, every time you find a part and it saves you money because you found a cheaper part um, or you were able to remove a part, that's where your cost savings are. I mean, like your bill of material, it's, 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 that's where the engineering is, is how can you get away with the most minimal cost of engineering, uh, bill, of, bill of materials cost engineering. Yeah. Um, Skur says, I know I usually price... For 50% margins on a product, so there's money to reinvest in more product. Do it. Do 250%. That's fine. Then you double and you double, right? But so yeah. 1.5 is a minimum, so 1.5 to 2, right? And you, you have to just figure out what what you're comfortable with. If there's more software engineering and more development time, 
you might want to have more. If this is like, hey, this was a simple board and it wasn't, there's not a lot of engineering that I had to do for it, and I can pump out a bunch of these and, and keep revising, you can go with a smaller margin. That's that's you and your your how you want to run your business. Uh, yep, and so folks say it doesn't always work the way you uh, as you adjust your pricing to determine um, the price to maximize demand. Like the QD5 backpacks fills really well at five bucks. So we have someone here who they built a cutie pie backpack, they figured out what price point people bought it more at, so that's the price point they're yeah. settling on now. Um, yeah, we'll do another follow-up. After the first 250, how do you determine how much you do a second run, the speed at which the first 250 sold, or another factor? In, so we just general, we just made 250, we sold them. Yeah. How so do you determine how many next? Usually after 250, well, I think what's ironic is actually usually I do one 250 run, and then I do about a 500-piece run. Um, I tend to double. And then once I found the stability point, because the thing is you have to watch out for is that you'll often, you'll sometimes get a huge spike in demand when you first make something. Um, and then it slows down and you don't want to over manufacture. Although I rarely see that. I actually see more maker companies not manufacture enough. Um, I have this I want to call it a problem, but it's like, we'll order something and we'll be like, yay, that worked out. We'd like to order more. And the maker's like, well, I'm not going to have anything for like three months. And I'm like, okay, well, that's going to be three months of like, you don't get any sales at all. So just be aware of like how you can make sure that you don't get stuck in a spot where you can't manufacture because you can't get parts. And that might mean buying a bunch of components ahead of time. Sometimes you can get parts and they're returnable like you work out with someone where like if you don't use the parts they can get it this is unfortunately risk and, and you have to the risk is you buy stuff um this is why i like to reuse parts like if i if i go and buy you know ten thousand sam d21s um you know that's like twenty thousand bucks of, of chips and it's like two wheels right it's like nothing the good news is that if even if like the one product doesn't use it i can use it on another one so that's why like component sharing is important but i, I see more people under estimate their manufacturing than overestimate and when you underestimate you lose money whereas if you overestimate you're just stuck with inventory and you have to get rid of it so i feel like there's more downside if you underestimate that that's that's i know it's a tactic well how do you know what the amount is um people ask me and i kind of i tell them like we had a maker who contacted us and said well how many yeah. do you think i'm going to sell this a quarter and i'm like I think 3000 a quarter because it, a quarter's worth is a, it takes about a quarter to get your inventory uh, back up. Yeah. Also say there's, uh, it's fun to listen to like clubhouse chats. Like I, I tune into some of them and then sometimes we'll be on these. It's in the venture capital world. Everything kind of changes too, because it's like fake it till you make it. And then the costs aren't, it's someone else's money that you're using. So a strategy is like, well, let's give it away for free charge for services on the other side. Yeah. I would say, like, be careful doing hardware manufacturing when you're leaning on um, someone else's money, um, like venture capital. Cause yeah. Because it, it's hard. It's like the, the investors are going to say, just get it out to as many people. Don't really build a sustainable business because we're just going to sell this business. So it's like... It's another. It's, yeah, a, it's like, another permutation. There, there's a reason why VCs don't like hardware. I mean, it's it's got all the downsides um, without any of the upsides. Like you know, mm -hmm. you, it's it's harder to you, it, with software. You know, you can just make you can just compile and and spin up another server, and that's not. You know, it's annoying to to get going, but once you get it going, it, it's easy to scale. 
Whereas hardware, it's very hard to predict. Um, you know, and you see this, right? Like there's, there's toy companies when they're like, okay, is this going to be the big toy of the holiday? You, on one hand, don't, you know, and, and holiday toy sales, I mean, by the way, this is an industry that you absolutely don't want to be in. Um, I can't think of a worse industry because you have to know a year in advance. You have to get the manufacturing going because everything's yeah. done by boat. And the other thing with toy manufacturing, you either totally undermake or totally. Well, make. most of it is you're agreeing to give most of the money to the licensing that you're doing. So there's a bunch of horror stories with companies like Little Bits or I think even uh, Sphereo. Uh, they talked about this because they made the the Disney Cars toy, and they okay. even said they even said like we're not going to work with Disney anymore because like Disney has all that intellectual property, and you're like, well, yeah. let's tie our hardware boat to this Disney movie. And then sometimes it doesn't work out, or they'll say like we want most of the money from it. So it's re- that toy world is a completely different one. Um, follow up on this, um, I'll, I can answer this one. How do you get around being undercut by knockoffs of design? Well, we do open source hardware, so we start out with the idea that our design is going to be oh yeah used by someone else. I mean, I publish. I mean, what's funny is for the Feather Pico, I can't actually Pico the Feather RP twenty forty. I pushed it up the files before we even had the... Like, yeah. I haven't even ordered PCBs yet. And, and so here's... You could, like, knock it off before I even yeah. finished it. <laughs> so one, you know, philosophically, like, knockoffs are a sign of success for us. Like, we want people to make designs and learn. So can you make something that's higher quality and lower price by the scale that we do, which is we manufacture in New York City right here, and um, we're competitive even with, you know, everyone will say, okay, what about China? Try to find something that's a Circuit Playground Express, Bluefruit. And we don't even use DRM. Lo- lower, lower, like, co- lower cost from yeah. anyone else. Um, Actually, here's another thing. Like, I, I mean, I, I know this sounds very weird, but the only, the only thing that's cheaper about manu- about Chinese-made goods or Asian-made goods is manufacturing cost. What I mean is. It's not like they're getting component. Like you can buy components from China at the same price that they're getting. I mean, the quality could be iffy, but you can get the components for the same cost. So in the end, it's what your design. It's like your design and overall experience is going to it, it will allow you to have a better product than something that's just manufactured by someone. Which is it's, it's a very vague st- statement, but if you're actually manufacturing, you understand what I mean. It's like. There's no, there's no magic of like, oh my God, like somebody is able to get all the components of manufacturing and everything is, and, and all the engineering done for cheaper than me. Like that, that, it doesn't work like that. All they can do is maybe want to design, um, but it's everything else that you put into it that yeah. makes it good. Also, they don't, people who are knocking off your design, like by the way, like people who knock off my stuff, like it's weird. Like they are always knocking off the stuff from like, five to ten years ago and I have to tell like it's weird I'm like they're knocking off things that I've already moved on from like yeah. it's not anything modern um, next up so uh, this is this follow up which is uh, who do makers talk about talk to uh, at Adafruit if they're interested in carrying a product yeah when you have the product ready because we get a lot of people saying like I'm going to make something we actually have the thing even if it's prototype and you have some documentation um, you can just email pt at adafruit.com you come on the show and tell and show it um, we're really easy to get a hold of, but you can always email me. Yeah. Um, but just make sure you have you're further along because a lot of times we get emails like, "Hey, I'm thinking of it. Uh, I don't have a rendering. Can you sign an NDA? Uh, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff like that. That that's not a good fit. Better make something, and uh, we actively seek yeah, out. Yeah, we don't. Products we don't like. Well. We won't pre-order something yeah. from you. 
I'm yeah. going to tell people that because they're like, oh, I'm thinking of doing it. Will you buy 500 before it's even done? I'm like, nope. It has to exist and be sold. And then I will stock yeah. it. Just better for everybody that um, way. Here's a good one. Uh, wondering how you think the RP2040 will displace, add to, fit in the current environment of microcontrollers, Adafruit. Is it good uh, that some other board chips are no longer useful or relevant? Well, here's what I'll say. The SAMD line, the RP2040 is a welcome thing to come in because and the, ST too I think yeah. this is a, it's good it's good competition for ST yeah this is good news for, this is good news for all of you out there yeah. who make hardware all of you who use hardware um, Python is coming to millions of people um, this is really good news um, you know we've been using the SAMD line for a while they're not going to continue to update that line like we yeah, they're done, which we, is a shame. I we, really wanted a SAMD71, and yeah, I asked them for a SAMD71, and they're like, we're not going to make we one. We want something oh, that's so really fast that can run a scripting language. Like, that's yeah. what we want. Let's RAM. You know, this, yeah. is, this is what we want. And so this is really good news. Also, we'll be able to do a feather line um, with this. Look, the dominant cost of a lot of our, our microcontroller dev boards is the microcontroller. The yeah. micro, look, I can't talk about what the price is likely to be for the RP2040. Only the Pi Foundation can speak to that, uh, and they will release the pricing. But if they're going to do what they've sort of implied they're going to do, it's going to be, like, devastating for the rest of the industry because they're going to be, like... It's going to basically be what Espressif did to Wi-Fi chips. So Wi-Fi chips were all $20 a piece. This is a good analogy. What did, what did the ESP do to 82, Wi-Fi? Yeah. 8266 do for the entire industry? We were stuck with, like, $30 TI modules. And they were so bad. And so it was it was really good. <laughs> and, and here's the other thing. So when we talked to all these companies that made Wi-Fi modules and, we and kept stuff telling them, were like, like, check out the ESP8266. This is coming for you. And they're just like, blah, blah, blah. Adafruit yeah. is crazy. And what happened? Yeah, they came for them. Yeah. So the, I think, I don't think it's like, there's not going to be, there's definitely sometimes, there's some things that the RP2040 doesn't do that the SAMD51 does. You know, it's a Cortex-M0, not M4. And then I think the TNC4 uses this IMX chip. It's much, much faster. And like, there's some things that does better, but like, it is a you know it's a nice chip and the pricing's good. There's there's some things that I, I wish I kind of wish it had internal flash. I think that would be really awesome. But I think they'll eventually get there. I think you know you can always bond in flash, right? That's what the ESP32 does. In fact, if you look at like they have the flash inside ESP32s, and if you look, it's like it's just the chip, and then inside there's another chip, and then they just wire bond it together and package the whole thing. And so like yeah. you know the the, the Pi Foundation can do that. Um, as well, if they want to have a flash internal microcontroller, but I think that it's 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 good. I think it's always good for everybody. And even though I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know if if people who work at you know microchip or TI or ST are watching this, are just like it's not good. It's not good for anybody. It is good because competition will drive these companies to do better, right? They're going to look at something and they're going to say, shit, we've been kind of churning out the same thing over and over again. And here comes this PIO thing. Here comes this microcontroller at a, at a, you know, a disruptive price. Here's what we got to do in order to stay relevant in the market. Just like the Raspberry Pi. Again, single board computers. They existed before the Raspberry Pi, but they weren't under 30 bucks. And now every single board computer comes with a version that's like 35 bucks or more because the, the price point and the expectation have been set. And so there's, there's a lot of people using other single board computers where Raspberry Pi is quite popular they're not they're competing but they're it's a, it's a friendly competition I think that they learn from each other and they are building a a, a constructive ecosystem yeah with a lot of players 
and it's great for the market, and it's great for customers. This is, like, beautiful. Um, someone was wondering, uh, can you invest in Adafruit? No, but purchase electronics. You buy something. Purchase electronics from us because, you know, there isn't really a better way that I know of. If, if someone said, well, how do you reward open source? Um, you can donate to an open source organization. You can sponsor someone on GitHub. With Adafruit, you can buy open source hardware. That funds all of what we do, including giving people great wages and retirement plans and salaries and benefits and all that stuff. But also it's funding um, the most amount of open source libraries that I know of for yeah. hardware. Like that's that's what Adafruit does. Yeah. Um, so, 1,400 GitHub repos. Yeah, so that, that is... I want a little crown that it, says the most. It's, it's a way to also invest in our future. I think a lot of the smart people who watch the show, if we're going to continue on this experiment called human species, we're going to want to do software, we're going to want to do hardware. I think we all believe that it's better if it's open because we're not going to have to reinvent everything over and over, building on top of each other. So it's an investment in, like, all of us. Um, and, like, yeah. this has a business model. So if you're into capitalism, yay. Um, you can buy some. We ship it to you. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Other odds and ends. Yeah, we pay our engineers to do RP2040 yeah. development. Yep. Okay. Um, this one's a little hard because it's predictions. When do we think there'll be a wireless RP2040? If I had to guess, and this is, again, I know nothing, and this is just a complete guess, yeah, is given that there's already that Broadcom Wi-Fi Bluetooth chip that is on the the Raspberry Pi 4 and W, they would probably make a board where the RP2040 talks to that chip, and that's the chip that does the, the Wi-Fi. I don't think doing wireless on chip is, is not easy. Um, there's no off-the-shelf peripheral like there is with I2C in UR where it's like Synopsys has a thing. Synopsys doesn't have a thing for Wi-Fi, so I think if they were going to do something, it would be off-chip. But again, I don't speak for the Pi Foundation, and this is just me bullshitting you. Like This is what I would yeah. guess. All right, really good questions today. Everyone, you know, um, we do engineering questions on Desk of Lady Ada. We do a mask engineer. But I think one of the things that people um, hide is how they do business. And you get to ask Lady Ada, I think, at this point, the most successful female engineer company yeah. out there. We keep asking. And um, especially when larger companies talk to us, we're always asking, like, do you do you work with any woman-owned companies, is there anyone out there who's like us that's doing a successful hardware manufacturing company in New York City? Um, It's definitely playing the video game on the hardest level at all times. Um, But ask your business questions, too, because we had to figure all this out on our own. We talked about it on Show & Tell or Ask an Engineer every week. We did um, all our maker business um, posts on our site. You can check those out. And then um, the Maker to Market series is another one. And uh, we're really happy to help. Um, it's hard. And it also is a different type of uh, daily dedication that you have yeah. to do. Um, it's not for everyone, but you can work at a place like Adafruit and figure out you know, the, the, the roles that you want within it. Not everyone's going to be Lady Ada, but not everyone needs to be. We have one so far. And so that keeps us going. Okay, I think that's going to be it for tonight. Okay, cool. Some folks are going to order stuff. Thanks. Um, do, 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 I believe that's it. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for watching the show tonight. Thanks, everybody. Really good questions. We're happy to help. Um, yeah. I like that. I, you know what? It's actually a very promising to see that there will be a bunch of more businesses. I know that yeah. there in the last you know few years, there were a lot of maker companies that, there, not a lot, but there were a few maker companies that unfortunately didn't make it. 
uh, for one reason or another. They they closed shop or they merged or whatever. And I would love to the see the workshop group. model companies. If your if your business was built on in person workshops over the last year, that's been really hard. Yeah. Um, folks who have been doing uh, physical goods or even contract manufacturing, um, they're popping up. And then a lot of folks have had uh, time or some resources because uh, they didn't travel, they didn't do a lot of things in their lives, and they also decided, well, I'm going to finally get around to that project I wanted to do, and they've been starting a lot of Tindy businesses. I think a lot of people want to start businesses now, yeah. now and it's through the summer. I think there's a lot of people who are like, I want to change my life. Yeah. I. Adafruit yeah. basically got started in the 2008 recession. Yeah, pretty um, much. That's when it really kicked off. That, that's when we were apartment company. Um, I think our daily average of orders was maybe a thousand bucks a day not even yeah. it was it was we gotta go get a burger that was it i was like i can afford a burger and a i burger. did all the shipping and lamar did all the kidding yeah. and uh you know 10 years later or so um it's a little bit more than 10 years now yeah it's a little bit more than 10 years it's okay we look young yeah um but that's pretty much that's pretty much what you know and that's an average amount of time to spend on something it's it it is a good amount of time um to uh Two years to grow a company isn't reasonable. You should spend a little bit more time on it. Yes. Okay, so that's our show for tonight. Uh, special thanks to uh, Jesse May behind the scenes. Thanks, and Jesse May. Slack thanks everyone who was helping to run the discords and more. And um, we'll see everybody uh, next week. Thanks for supporting Adafruit. Don't forget 250. Don't forget uh, what? 250. 250 is the number, <laughs> the number of boards that we make and then we it's true. do more. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks so much. Here is your moment of Zener. <laughs>